Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're the Polter Gals. Spooky. <laughs> Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're the, the Polter Gals. Welcome back to another episode. And as you guys can see, or here, we have a Poulter pal in the studio. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Sean, otherwise known as uh, Infernal Foulness on uh, Instagram, but I am one half of Southern Storm Paranormal PRT, Paranormal Research Team from Sydney, Australia. Yes, and we can tell by your accent yeah. you're from Australia, so that's pretty cool. So, yeah, um, a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, just yeah. a little bit. The question is... Are we the ones with accents to you? Y'all, y'all don't have an accent as 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 uh, broad as I thought you would. But hey, it's English and I can understand it. That's good. Hey. That's good. Should we say mate? Should we be like, hey, mate? <laughs> I think we should stick to the Why normal not? Texas thing and go to y'all. Yeah, I think so. That way he says say mate, and then we say y'all. If that works for y'all, y'all, yeah, oh, everybody fine, says y'all. Oh, well, look at there. That works great. What a universal term! Wow. Texans and Australians building bonds. Mm -hmm. All right. So one of our first questions is, obviously, you're a paranormal investigator. Um, so tell us how you got involved in paranormal investigating. I'd say high school, ninth grade. Wow. High school, ninth grade, uh, the early start of being just curious of uh, you know, reading books about you know, Bigfoot, UFOs, aliens, ghosts, paranormal. And even lovely, uh, lovely interest in the uh, spontaneous human combustion. Wow! And I think it sort of, um, it sort of grew a bit more uh, about five, six years ago, when um, I was just, you know, skimming through stuff on the internet about haunted places and this and that, and realised the joints here in Sydney, in the local area, that were um, reputably haunted, and I went out to a paranormal expo that was held at one of these places, and then. Uh, I thought, okay, well, if this is one of the joints that's uh, haunted around here, how many more other places can there be? And then, wow, it was just a, a cavalcade of um, interest that swamped me. And then I thought, hey, if there's groups out here that get into this stuff and go hang out in, you know, graveyards and haunted places and all that kind of thing, I want to be a part of it. So I did. Joined one group from um, a guy out in Bankstown, Andrew, and joined down um, Paranormal Interventions Australia, and I was with him for 
oh, three three years or so, then jumped on to another group uh, in the hometown in Wollongong and was with a guy and my current partner now, Steph, doing our thing down there. But then, how can I put it lightly, things uh, fell apart. <laughs> and uh, mm. I know some of the stories. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. You, you told know me. The story, but, yeah. I let, will say she's let, read let most of the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but the less said about him, the better. So given that we both still had the passion and the... Uh, obsession for it we sort of uh put our heads together and joined our own little group of two and that sort of uh, entity grew into what it was now and we've been doing it now for what three yeah three years wow so yeah five six years in with the interest in it and now i've got my little duo getting uh, out and about and yeah i love it can't switch it off can't turn it off it's uh, an obsession that's so cool. So you've been doing this for three years now. So obviously you're coming from the Australia area. Tell us some of the most haunted places there. I think, I think a lot of um, a lot of stuff that people would look into, if they were to say, you know, Google that sort of thing or, or look into the history of what it is. Especially, it's definitely our colonial past um, when you know the white settlers came and invaded and everything like that and. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, the penal colonies that were set up in here and there's a lot of places that are still building-wise, they're still standing, have a lot of history. Um, some are terribly, terribly dark places where a lot of death went on and there's a lot of residual energy at these spots. Um, there's only a few that I've been to here in Sydney. I haven't had a chance to get out of... Uh, been to a few places in Victoria and in Queensland, but um, there's one particular spot I'd love to go to in Tasmania, which I've been offered to go to in the past, but couldn't get down there. And that's a um, the Royal Derwent Hospital in uh, New Norfolk, which has a massive mental health asylum there. That's, as we all know, mental asylums, mental hospitals, crazy places. Um, I'm lucky enough to actually have one or oh, about five, ten k's south of me, which is um, now an old folks' home, but in its day was a oh, what do you call it? One of those, you know, tuberculosis uh, hospitals back in the nineteen early nineteen hundreds. It has um, a lot of uh, tormented patients and residents that are, are still there, and has a huge graveyard at the rear of the property um, that has what two thousand six hundred nine people buried there. Wow. Crazy ass place. Yeah, um, we talk about tuberculosis and the sanatoriums quite a lot. We've yeah. covered like two, yeah. three. There's a lot of them. Yeah. It's it's quite a bit, honestly, and it's the same story told pretty much universally every time. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so sad. Yep. There's one out. There's one further out in the Blue Mountains that I've been to. I was lucky enough before they got the site got bought by uh, new owners. I was very lucky with Andrew to have investigated that twice or three times. And the uh, paranormal lockdown we did in there was with the uh, the blessing of the caretaker who let us in um, about 8 o'clock at night and we were there until about 2 in the morning. And that place was fucked. It was off the scale. Wow. Um, there, was, there was some crazy stuff that happened to me there um, that we caught, that we recorded and we kept captures and 
would have had all that stuff on my old post before it was uh, the Chef Sean 666 bio has gone, unfortunately, because I think I got hacked last December. But if I could get hold of all that uh, old footage, I'd definitely repost it. But that place, um, Queen Victoria Hospital, is off the scale. Yeah. Crazy ass spot. And you sent me a few audio recordings and some of your other works that you've done. And you've also put, you post on Reddit, right? So you do a lot of like sound recordings and video. Um, what is some of the equipment that you use? I started out. I started out with the basics. I think what the um, what every little uh, amateur hunter started out with a digital recorder, a small digital recorder. A few of um, the devices. Luckily, I was I was given or lent or gifted, which was nice. Um, you know, built up built up the toys and the tools over the years and. Um, Finally got myself, which I wanted and Steph wanted for eight. Finally got the Ovulus 5B, which, not bragging, but I don't know many people in Sydney or in New South Wales or Australia that have many. And we went through a lot of BS, unfortunately, with the uh, creator getting it sent out here to uh, Australia and issues with him, whose name we won't mention, and uh, managed to get it through a uh ghost hunter friend in california and then she sent it out to us so we have ollie our ovulus all the toys have names and um built up the kit a bit more in the last few years and got a few more you know the basic kind of stuff that nearly everybody has but it was uh it was a big big kick to get the uh get the ovulus i'm still kind of working out the nuts and bolts of it and the finer points but um yeah it's had some pretty interesting uh results from it as well that's pretty cool. Mm. So you had mentioned earlier uh, about a lockdown. What, when you do go into lockdowns, what does that look like for y'all? Do y'all do like an overnight, or is it just certain specific hours? I think with the, well, I've done, I've done two so far, and uh, shall we say, <laughs> um, the only one that I kind of. Uh, did sort of cross the line into trespassing hmm. was the uh not the security need to know that the is the uh the place that's down from my place uh garawara hospital everyone knows everyone that's into urbex and all that shit around here knows about garawara um as it turns out the uh foot in the door you might say that we had to that was the guy that used to work there as a nursing student who's the person who sure remain unnamed. Uh, he was there as a nursing student 20 odd years ago, and he knows every inch of the buildings, the corridors, the shower block, the rooms, he remembers the patients. That was an interesting way to get in there. But the way that we actually physically uh, got in there was uh, not the most legal entry possible, but hey, <laughs> didn't get caught. Um, and that was heading in about, oh, say, nine o'clock at night. And uh, I think the longest we stayed there when everyone was starting to get really tired and fed up and wigged out was uh, got in there about 9 p.m. and we left about 3 in the morning, 10 past 3 in the morning. And that was, when I say free reign on lockdown, it's, well, yeah, lockdown as in got in and didn't leave. Um, but we did have a couple of close calls when the uh, security camera torches and cars were going past, so we sort of kept quiet and turned all our lights off but the one up in the blue mountains queen victoria hospital that was with permission of the caretaker i don't know about permission of the owners but 
Um, that was, yeah, rocking up about 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. And he opened the gate, let us all in with all our tech toys, gears, car and that. And he locked it. And he basically said, look, message me or call me when you guys want to leave or you've had enough or <laughs> shit's too much. And that was um, that was twice twice we did that. And in winter, and it was cold. I know, not cold like American winter, cold here. And up in the Blue Mountains, which is further west, um, we had sleet and the early stages of not so much snow, but there was sleet falling. And it was about two degrees and very, very cold. Added to the effect, added to the atmosphere, but um, there would have been in the first lockdown about nine of us, maybe ten of us, and um, that was just completely off the scale. That place is active as, and um, yeah, there's a few things I remember from that that night that um will uh, be etched in my memory for a long time. There was a few things that happened to me. I was uh, one thing I clearly remember was having my backpack I had on behind me. Um, yanked down, something pulled my bag down and made me fall on my ass, like yanked my bag down. Wow. And I dropped on my ass. First in front of me was like, you know, what happened there? I said, oh, something just pulled my bag down. And, dude, there's nothing behind me. There is nothing. So that was um, very intense. There was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, strange noises and things that we thought we saw. Did see, um, had some crazy uh, EVPs in the morgue. One of the crazy girls that went um, with us decided to actually lie on the morgue slab tray. And, yeah, I kind of drew the line at that, and I couldn't do that. But that um, that place up there in the mountains is intense. But now they've rezoned it, new land, new owners, very high security, cameras, alarms, and drones. So now it's kind of... Uh, Bit of a harder place to get to, but I think the local kids up there still hang around. It's a pretty cool spot. So, um, sorry if you see me writing. Also, um, it's just questions that I'm writing down so I don't forget. Um, but one of them that I wrote written down was, do you think that in certain situations it's necessary to push buttons in order to provoke a spirit to come out? And if you do... (laughs) Yeah. Where like is it. where does that line like where should mm-hmm. you draw that line yeah. for you not to cross it to where negative things do start to happen to you or for it to follow you? Okay, that is, yeah, that is a perfect question and for me uh, suited very well because um, as I do post and as I do say publicly in a lot of my stuff, I like push the buttons. I like to cross the line. That's just the kind of person I am. Um, I like to have a dig, have a shit stir, have a bit of a provoke. Um, and from this approach to doing investigations and that, I have gotten some freaking crazy ass results, uh, recordings and EVPs where, oh, what was one of the best ones? There's a place that if y'all ever came down under, I would have to take you to the bloody mile. It's a spot down the coast where it's just a awful spot where it has a history of a lot of deaths, accidents, stabbings, murders. Oh my God, there was a baby that was dismembered by her the sisters, the mother's sister. Um, crazy ass spot. And it's a pitch black little, uh, like a walkway through a, a bush area. That's all it is next to the side of the road, but it's 
it's drenched in negative energy. And I had, oh, what was it? I was having a bit of a shit stir at the um, reputed spirit of this lady that did cut up this baby and dismembered a baby. And I said, I challenged her. I said, you know, whatever her name was. The name escapes me. I said, you know, if you want to pick on someone your own size and you want a knife fight, I'm a chef. I'll bring my knife. You bring your knife and we'll have a go. So, you know, come on, bitch, give me your best shot. And the EVP through the spirit box in about 30 seconds was going after Sean. Well, I heard that. I got goosebumps. I heard my name. <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was changed the undies time. That was crazy. And that place even still, as I'm, as I'm talking about it, the hairs on my arm are standing up. It's a crazy spot. I like the provoking. It's got some serious fun to it. I do think... Yes, there's a line you can cross, and I know the whole respect the dead kind of thing. But you know what? For me, for the for the the sake of getting a decent capture or a decent reaction, um, we've done this technique before and had something manifest on an SLS camera where Steph, who does it with me, had this lady Mary Barrett uh, form appear, manifest, whatever you want to call it, as a stick figure. And Steph was saying, like, you know, silly old bitch, you, know, you want to go, take a shot. She said this, and this SLS, you know, yellow stick figure made an arm and a fist sort of, you know, like that. And it swung at Steph, like this stick figure went to go punch Steph. And that was just, that was crazy. That was crazy. And that's in an old pioneer cemetery that's been around for a, uh, Oh, 1870s, 1880s, very long time. Big Irish family that settled the area are buried there, and there's a lot of other uh, restless spirits that we like to go and uh, shits there every now and then. But that was um, that was two crazy captures we had that did come from provoking. And uh, I think, yeah, look, if you if you sort of if you want to take it to that further level and get in trouble and risk having something follow you home or have a you know an attachment jump on you. Um, you know, it's all part of the gig. But if you want to, if you want to do that, I reckon go for it. If you don't, then hey, that's fine. Have you, you have you ever felt like you've had something follow you from provoking? Yeah, yeah. As it turns out, despite the position I'm sitting in, the uh, recent uh, design T-shirt that I got uh, made from uh, the artist we got our first shirt done by. Danny, uh, the logo he created for us. He also did this logo on my jumper now. This was from when I, how do I put this? Very skeptically, I, I was told and believed that uh, one of my neighbours who, how we say, says she sees things, reckons that once I was downstairs in my garage in my man cave and her and her husband drove past as they were driving out and they saw, so she says, they saw this big, black, smoky-like thing behind me. And she said, whenever I've seen you down there, this thing is with you, this thing is behind you. She also said one day when she came to talk to me that uh, this thing that she sees is behind me as we were speaking. Um, it's looking at me. It's smiling at me. And when she was in my house, you know, chatting to me she said it's behind you right now in the window and we are on the first floor so we're like what 15 20 foot off the ground and she said this thing is behind you right now 
So I asked her, like, you know, what did you sort of see or how do you sort of distinguish this thing? She goes, I've actually noticed that it's been behind you quite a while now. And um, she says, you know, the same old kind of default answer, I think, that it's feeding off your negativity. Um, it's feeding off depression. It's feeding off negativity, anger, hate. And basically I'm giving it a buffet. And it's uh, it's kind of stuck with me and it's attached to me. She goes, I don't know where you got it from. But uh, I also then, with this tip off, consulted to other people off Instagram. One's uh, an energy healer, a light worker, and you know, spiritualist called Debbie. And they also contacted the guy that she referred me to in India. Very skeptical as I was, I asked these people, they gave me a reading. Um, yeah, yeah, the Indian guy said he can cleanse this thing from me for 700 Australian dollars. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I think what I was told about this, this attachment was that they apparently, she apparently picked up that there are certain initials associated with this thing came to her in a dream where it was, uh, identified as having two certain letters in the name of this person of who it was. So where I think this thing may have followed me from is actually my local cemetery. So I went up there, cross-referenced with the database as to where this PD or DP person might be. I found a grave of this Darius Pazarski, who I don't know who it is, but in one of my earlier posts on Instagram of a confrontation, if you will, with me trying to address this spirit thing, I had Xbox, Rempod, and K2 going the whole time. And at the end of this conversation, if you will, a very, very clear uh, reply back from this thing, referring to it saying, why don't you come down here and talk to all of us? So by down here, I think they mean that. Down in hell, because this thing was apparently apparently picked up on as a, a demonic entity. So whether I brought that on myself, whatever, whether I, you know, had it come home, I've had a few crazy things happen here in my actual house, which we are actually putting on the market to sell tomorrow. So hopefully <laughs> no one... No one potentially buying this unit will uh, read or hear it is, <laughs> but there was one night out of curiosity, just weird things going on in the house that I picked up. I went off to sleep and a few things that woke me up. And one time I set up a video camera, a motion sensor and my REM pod near the front door. 4.13 in the morning, my REM pod starts beeping. It beeped from 4.13 in the morning till 4.17 in the morning for four minutes and the house is locked. House is locked. We're all asleep. And I filmed it. And, yeah, the REM pod starts beeping for four minutes at 4.17 in the morning in a locked house. I, I can't debunk that. That's crazy. That was very strange. And I know you kind of mentioned hell and like demonic entities. So what is your spirituality behind it? What is your rationale for ghosts? Well, I'd say 
like you girls would know, I think you're gonna break it kind of breaks down into sort of maybe two or two or three categories. You've got the malevolent ones that are angry, um, bitter, resentful, don't like the fact that they're dead, feel like they have uh, you know, unresolved issues maybe with the living or those that provoke them, and they want to harm harm us or harm people. Then you've got the benevolent ones, I think, that are, you know, lonely, sad. Uh, they miss people. They miss the loved one. Um, they want company, if you will. And I don't mean like as a Casper the friendly ghost kind of shit, but, you know, that kind of lighter side to it. Um, and then I think there's the ones that are just restless. I don't sort of think that they are, you know, out there to harm. But um, I think there's there's more or less those two sides to it. And... That's sort of the definition, I'd say, of what there are out there. So when you're on an investigation, how often do you work with other people like that have gifts or from, like you said earlier that you had a Native American have to cleanse you? Do you in any situation take people with gifts or from other walks of life like Natives on an investigation just for the safety of your you and your fellow investigators because there's a large uh, indigenous culture in australia right yes that's it well actually one of the one of the ones one of the sites um closest to me in uh Cornell, which is a suburb about 15 minutes away that's where captain cook landed so where the country was settled and discovered in 1788. Excuse my terrible Aussie history. <laughs> um, the actual landing site where Captain Cook first came ashore is 15 minutes from my place. And there is a monument and all this kind of stuff. Um, and the actual name of the Shire, the Sutherland Shire, of where I live, Forby Sutherland is the name of the white settler on the boat, who I think was one of the first white settlers to die. Um, ashore in australia the suburb area here is named after him his grave and joseph banks the the botanist his grave is at this site the captain cook memorial landing place is there but from what people know i think from the white settlement in history is yes the aboriginal the indigenous um tribe especially from this area which is the darawal tribe uh from little investigations purely out of curiosity, three that I've done at the Captain Cook uh, Memorial site. There is, I even took a basic list of uh, a few Darawal tribal phrases and words. And there is a small um, Aboriginal meeting place. It's like a stone or sandstone circular area where I think is a very intense physical spot for the Indigenous uh, energies that might have been there from what 226 years ago but it's actually down at the monument itself the last time which is a huge big uh what do you call it obelisk and if you you know you were to google captain cook landing memorial or landing monument you'd see it and we've set up there like all the toys and gear at night and i remember once with uh the motion sensors and the ramp pods set up within two minutes of us getting there we had the lights going off we had K2 going nuts and we had very clear, considering the people that were white settlers that came out on the boats, 
we had very clear Irish accents and English accents coming through. Uh, and some of the Irish, <laughs> the Irish words and phrases that were coming out weren't the most uh, charming of conversation. <laughs> a lot of foul language and a lot of swearing. Um, but yeah, if you see my videos, I tend to uh, unfortunately drop a few of those potty mouth words in my my videos as well. So it was all good. But I think we had some 220 uh, year old English and Irish spirits there having a bit of a, a dummy spit. And I think with the Indigenous people that were around at that time, I think, yes, as most people that know there was a history know, there was a lot of death. There was a great slaughter of the Indigenous people back then by the white people and vice versa. Um, so I think in the times that we've been out and I've brought or asked to bring two friends with me, one is actually a lady I work with and she is from one of the local Indigenous tribes on the other side of Botany Bay. Um, Vicky, she's she's given me a bit of a heads up on uh, a couple of other places that she's been to and there's a couple of spots that her native people um, hold in high regard. I want to get her out to some of these uh, nights out with me, but we've had other people that have come along with us before. I think... Oh, what was the name? We had someone come with us to sort of corroborate whether a spirit had left a place because she... And this is the part that sort of had me as a skeptic. She, all through an Instagram video, picked up on this and picked up on that. And um, what was the name? Karen. Karen somebody said that uh, she, the spirit I mentioned before that reached out and sort of swung a step, it's Mary, uh, Mary Barrett. She said, we showed her in the cemetery where the person was buried, right up the back. She said that, <laughs> I had to laugh a bit, that Mary came to her in a vision and she described herself she described her as appearing to her as wet and drowned and sort of maybe like you know soaked hair and i don't know how this lady died back in what 1897 or something but this medium told us that this is what she looked like this is what happened i've crossed the river to the other side and i said okay you did that then you know we need proof that she's gone so we went back to the same grave where we had two crazy rampart activations. One, the day before at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The next night on a Friday at 9 o'clock, we had the K2 going crazy and the rampart as well. When this lady told us that she had crossed over this Mary person, we went back to the grave a week later, complete silence. Wow. No activations, no rampart beeping, nothing little bit skeptical on that it might have just been one of those nights where you don't get anything happen but the other time we've had people come with us they aren't they aren't you know trained um they aren't trained public you know clairvoyance psychics mediums whatever you want to call them they're just friends of ours that or they're friends of steph that um you know claim that they've seen things since they were a kid or they pick up on certain things they have had encounters as a child with spirits that they sort of still have, you know, 50, 60 years on. And they have a sort of, I guess, yeah, the word you use would be gift. They they pick up on things or they sense things that, um, well, that Steph and I don't. But even having said that, this is why it's great to have this lady on board with me, Steph herself. And as I think she will attest to, she is really in touch with the children's spirits. 
Mm-hmm. We call them just has- Billy and Sally. Billy for little boy spirits and Sally for little girl spirits. Yes, yes. Well, there's there's one there's one crazy uh, crazy ass cemetery way down the coast about 120 k's away, um, Harley Hill Cemetery, which we were uh, shown once or twice via a video of a guy that actually one of the guys Craig that got me into this whole field. He was there um, recording by himself one day and. Oh, if I can find the photo, I can I can tag you on the post later on. He was there by day by himself, and this what do you call it? This apparition appeared of like a a person staring at him with their head tilted, with these strange legs, and there was like a purple figure. And then as he was there in this cemetery, broad light of day, this you see in the video, this mist kind of floats in front of him in the camera, and then past his face. And so I thought, okay really interested in this place and we've been there my god three times by by daytime four times at night i will hands down say this is one of those places where any foreign friends that come to visit um yourselves included i'll happily take you to the bloody mile and i'll happily take you to harley hill cemetery because it is a fucking shit your pants kind of a place. <laughs> it's really active it's really old and it's really creepy and we have had some insane stuff captured there and recorded there we've had some steph herself is still terrified of the place due to some what would i call it a seven foot shadow figure that dropped down she swears by it to this day dropped down from a tree and was peering out at her from behind a tree and i'm six foot two she said this thing was taller than you and it had no face completely black and it was staring at her and yeah We've gone in there a few times, but we haven't oh. stayed around too long. It's been uh, back to the car and check your undies. Bit of a moment, but it's the rush, as you girls know. It's the rush. It's the adrenaline. Keeps you going. Keeps you sticking around places you know you shouldn't be a bit longer, but it's all for the capture. So do you ever think, and which I, th- I just want to clarify, it sounds like you believe that certain people can trigger certain situations does that sound like a pretty accurate statement that's a pretty that's a pretty fair pretty fair way to put it yeah i think certain people can um i think certain people can't we've had a lot of uh we've had a lot of experience at at the bloody mile where we did where we did two in previous visits we did two what would you call it like nights there where people, it was the first time we actually did it with this previous group that we we're in, um, where it was like a paid gig, like what you see a lot of the followers, a lot of the guys that I follow, like the two guys from Florida and War Party Paranormal, um, Eric and uh, Eric and Mike, legends. This was an event where people paid what 45, 50 bucks to come along to join us. You know, we bring all the gear, we bring all the tables, chairs, all that shit. Um, all they have to bring. You know, here's a torch, a flashlight, and, uh, you know, a jumper and decent shoes, and we do all the rest. So they paid. They rocked up. Um, we did a stint where we set up all our gear at, like, two spots along this, this pathway, and uh, the only deal was that uh, he who shall not be named, who was running the show at the time, had Steph at one sort of crossroads in this pathway by herself at night. I was about... 10 minutes down the pathway 
near a seat waiting for the rest of this group to come up and walk through the, the bloody mall of this track. And we were both told for the uh, for it to work the way that it was wanted, we had to do a solo walkthrough. And that was along this path where there is no light. It's covered in trees. There's a bit of moonlight that might come through. And there is a train line that runs past still with active trains on it. You might get the light from a train passing through every 20 minutes, half an hour. Apart from that, complete sheer pitch total black to the point where, like this Harley Hill symmetry, you hold your hand in front of your face, you can't even see your hand. And we were told to walk through and then meet Steph at the halfway point. And then this guy would bring the rest of the group of guests through. I'd do a little spiel about the place and the murders and all the gory stuff. And then we'd walk through furthermore the second stage where Steph was, that was great. We did make a good, I will say, a good couple of hundred bucks. But the thing was, with this uh, chap that we were with, when we got all the money from the people that paid and happily paid, he kind of decided to keep the money for himself. Didn't give us our share. So that kind of uh, left a bit of taste in our mouth and further uh, involvements with him into the future we decided to uh, pull the plug on and yes as you may have noticed from previous posts that i have mentioned to you girls that uh side of us was uh left well alone so that's how we started our own thing we would love to be able to get especially at two locations that we know for a fact no one else has got access to to get something started there if we can get people to come along but it's um it's one private residence is the oldest house and one of the oldest standing houses in Wollongong and it's owned by, I'm not going to name drop, it's owned by Steph's son's old school principal. He owns this house. They've done a gigantic, huge refurb on it and he's actually starting to get, okay, we actually are, have found out that in the last few weeks, um, just after the recent school holidays have finished, they are letting groups of people through the house by day in groups of about 20 or 30 for historical tours and walks and all that. But when we've chatted to this guy, the owner, and mentioned about it, it's, it's infamy in its past. He's told us, yeah, look, I've lived here with my wife and kids. And since we have, my son has said he's spoken to a girl that is there and isn't there. Um, that's not his sister. He's made a, a special friend in the house that he talks to every now and then. And they said when they were doing some of the refurb, it reminded me a bit of uh, Amityville. I said, I said to the guy, one of the things that he noticed, could he give me details on it? And he said they were taking off the wallpaper to strip back the wallpaper to fix the walls in this renovation. And there's drawings on an old wall that some kid had done before. Mm -hmm. Ancient, ancient, ancient artwork that some kids drawn with crayons and that, that they didn't even have a clue was there until they did a refurb on the place. He also said to what gave him uh, interest and a bit of concern was there were a particular tradesman that would be doing the work on this house and they refused to enter certain rooms. They said they'll walk outside, they'll bring in the equipment and the gear and, you know, wheelbarrows and all that kind of stuff. But some of them of uh, Polynesian descent and Maori and Samoans were very, very strong and very, very spiritual people. And they refused. These big blokes, they refused to enter 
certain parts of the house. So he said, yeah, something something kind of triggered a bit of a reaction in me and he thought, yeah, there's got to be something to do with this place that needs a bit of further investigation. Steph and I have been waiting to try to get in, but, you know, he's a busy man in his education job and COVID and everything, of course, made a massive and absolutely massive, as I'm sure you girls know. COVID uh, completely screwed our, our paranormal investigation gigs. Um, we actually had a couple of close calls from police during lockdown where people were supposed to be, you know, in their homes and not leave their local areas. And we had a couple of close calls involving uh, apprehension at uh, two o'clock in the morning in spots where we weren't supposed to be. But I think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that's, um, it's going to happen. You're going to take people with you that have negative effect on you. They're going to take people with you that have a special gift or have a special interaction. I think that will get the spirits to either be more active or, can be less active too. Okay, we're going to take a quick little break because there is a train passing by and it will affect the audio just a tad. No so. worries. You can still hear it. I know. That's why I'm like trying to listen for it. Okay. And I think we're getting close. So I think we finish off with like experiences. Okay. Yeah. Because we're already at 40 minutes. Give me two seconds and I'll go get a, grab a drink and come back, huh? Of course. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> wait. <laughs> we'll wait for you. <laughs> but yeah, I think when he gets back, we'll do like, and tell us about your favorite experience and your scariest experience, and then we'll wrap it up. I mean, if you want to aim for an hour, we could. I got to get back to Cultivate. We got an event at 7. Oh. It's 6.41 now. <laughs> so I got to leave, like, soon. Oh. <sighs> Well, they're getting there at seven to decorate. So it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But I told the balloon lady I'd be there soon. And that was 45 minutes ago. <laughs> I was like, sorry, you're supposed to come before six. <laughs> Comes at 5.45, 5.55 when I was already here. I was like, oops. <laughs> oh, well. Oops, sorry. Sorry your lady told you wrong. I made it very clear. We're open until six and we we're going back at seven. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Only if it's a bad review. One star. One star. <laughs> one star. Cultivates one star. <laughs> Comes on for the Corey show. He's back. <laughs> be great. Yeah. And back we're back. Living. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. Boy. How do you feel? Relaxed. Okay, good. Great. All right. Um, so we're getting close to wrapping up here. So we're going to finish up with some of your favorite experiences and some of your scariest experiences. Which one do you want to start with? Favorite. Um, well, get a break. There's <laughs> probably. Mm, that's a doozy. I'm favorite. sure there's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm completely lost. Maybe um, most memorable. Well, one of the ones I said before that was memorable was um, I've always been in my <laughs> in my provoking and antagonism of the uh, the dead ones. Is I want I'm basically one of those nuts. I want a physical reaction. I want to be slapped. I want to be bitten. I want to be scratched. I I want that sort of a uh, <laughs> weird validation. <laughs> As I alluded to before, having my having my backpack tugged on mm -hmm. and to be dragged down on the floor on my ass by like something 
something tugged on my bag at that Queen Victoria Hospital. Yeah. And I, I, I still to this day can't, can't, uh, it's, you know, it's even got me lost for words. I can't define that. Like nothing was behind me. But there was a full force that dragged my six foot two ass down to the floor. Wow. And I've had uh, Have you ever felt your life was threatened from a paranormal entity? Yes, but only because I'd <laughs> I'd provoked it. Yeah. I'd I shit stirred a little bit too much. Um, <laughs> I'm as I said, the the spirit challenged me to a knife fight and told me that they were quote Xbox EVP coming after me. They're going after Sean. When I left this place again, the bloody mile. When you leave this place, um, as a lot of people that have been there will attest to it, this it really fucking drains you. Like you feel like you have, you know, your haunted hangover that you get the day after. Every single time we've left the bloody mile, you feel zapped of energy, mm -hmm. drained, tired, sore for no apparent reason. Every time we've been in the bloody mile, I get that. There's a lot of very negative energy there that wants to keep you there, I think. People will also attest to that. When you're walking out, it always feels like the walk out is longer than the walk in. And things their physical, the physical feeling there is they're just dragging you into the bushes. Wow. You try to stick to the, the walkway, the pathway through. Things that I think things there uh, definitely want to harm you. Whether I would say that I've had, you know, my life threatened, <laughs> only via EVP I have. Um, the capture that I reposted the other day when we were at Picnic Island, that was crazy because that was... That was insane. That was a thing that Steph captured on her phone, which was, I, I still can't debunk it and no one has been able to yet. It's a white, misty, flashy light thing that goes erratically past the camera. That set off REM pods and K2s and everything. And I still can't, I still can't forget that that was insane. Uh, we're pretty sure that's the ghost of a guy that got stabbed um, at this location. I think the two big, the two big mental hospitals we went to, um, I just, I just so full of energy. There was one night we actually, um, it was more of a human threat, I should say, than than spiritual. There was a, uh, how can we put it, a rival team that also managed to lurk into the property about one o'clock in the morning. They met us. We met them. Gang war. There was a, uh, yeah, turf war. Yeah, there was a bit of a, a bit of a discrepancy over. You know, well, you guys need to be quiet because we're doing our thing or you need to shut up too because we're doing our thing. All the while, there's uh, the occasional distance of headlights and security torches going past out the front. And we're like, okay, you've got to be quiet. Otherwise, we're all going to cop, what, 700 to to $1,000 fines for trespassing. So that was a bit of antagonism. And that was funny because that night, this is what blew me away at how stupid the arguing got to as we were having a bit of a, disagreement in one sort of room of this uh this common area of this old uh hospital i had my rem pod in the corridor next door and the rem pod started going off absolutely crazy but we couldn't hear it because we were bickering and arguing until someone goes oi listen your rem pod's going off 
and no one's able to pay attention to it because they're all bickering and that. Oh no! Crazy. But the um, the places there's two there, there's two cemeteries that I just I just refuse to go into at night by myself. I can't. I just cannot bring myself to do it. Um, I'll go fully out and say I'm totally chicken shit of these places. The reason why I like them though is because of the old pioneer cemeteries. They are the people that have been there for a long time. And the place in particular, the one at Kembla Grange, um, that is where on my old bio I did have the SLS video capture of this thing, another formation. It, How will I say? It was brought to my attention by the other guy who had the SLS saying, <laughs> warning me that this thing's coming towards you. Well, I quickly vacated the cemetery, went back to the car, on the side of the road and this thing, this stick figure was right up on me. Um, I wouldn't say the word dry humping, but this thing <laughs> was next to me. It was on me, no word of a lie. Wow. And it was, I don't know, moving in a very particularly strange fashion. And, that, and this thing was on me. <laughs> and, you know, if you ask me, the SLS cameras don't lie. You've either got something there or you don't have something there. That was crazy. That was really crazy. But I think the physical side of it too, I think when you know when you know something is either on you, near you, around you, um, you get that, or I especially get it, that ghost kind of gut vibe where your gut start to turn and you feel like sick and nauseous and cold. Um, I had a experience in a Presbyterian cemetery and Steph will, Steph will back me up. I wouldn't. I wouldn't totally go so far to say I was choked, but I did enter a Presbyterian cemetery with a satanic pendant around my neck, just for a bit of provoking as you do. And yeah, I think one of the uh, residents there wasn't too happy. And I started coughing and gagging wow. uh, in a way I never had before. And Steph was, are you okay? Are you okay, mate? I said, no, <clears throat> it was real pressure. Wow. I'd never felt it before anywhere. It was like a pressure on my throat that was restricting my breathing and it was very uncomfortable to breathe. But yet I walked out of the cemetery and it was fine. It stopped. Went back in to the same grave. I can even visualize the same grave. And it felt like it returned. So that was that was stuff that I will uh, I'll never forget. Crazy stuff. But enjoyable. It's all about the thrill. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I will leave with this one last question just to kind of, if you had, this is kind of be like a spoiler for, for since <laughs> uh, we've been kind of uh, messaging you back and forth for a while now, but um, at the end of the month. Worth the wait, ladies. Worth the wait. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the month, we plan on being paranormal investigators. Mm -hmm. We're going to get, get our certificates. certificates. Um, so what is one piece of advice for us and everyone else that potentially wants to, wants to do this? What is one piece of advice that you would give us and everyone else? Keep an open mind. Accept the fact that, I know it sounds like almost a sporting, a sporting goods cliche, but I, I, I've seen and experienced things in the last six years. I don't think anything is impossible. Um, things happen for a reason. Uh, it's, it's, you can have 
uh, like I kind of alluded to before, I think you can have all the tech and gear and toys and devices and sensors and all that shit, but nothing will ever beat that sort of that sixth sense that us humans have of, you know, like I said before, the gut vibe, when you, you feel it sort of in your stomach, in your bones, in your sort of your subconscious of where something's alerting you to something that you know maybe shouldn't be there and you obviously want confirmation and validation of what that might be. Um, I'd say don't don't ever doubt that something can or can't happen because ah, from what I've seen, things can happen. Uh, in case you haven't picked, on, picked up on it, I do like the antagonism and the provoking. Yes, it caused me a bit of a bit of drama and a few backwards comments on uh, on Instagram about oh you can't go doing that, it's disrespectful, blah blah blah. You know what? Sack it. <laughs> All right, go for it. Do it. Um, uh, after my previous experience with entry to places, I would never. I don't do the trespassing thing, with the exception of once. Um, Legal entry to any place would be uh, appreciated, I'm sure, on all parties. I know a lot of people that get the uh, old um, urbexy kind of vibe to go sticking their heads in places they shouldn't and have uh, paid for it in certain meanings. Uh, I just reckon, like, don't also don't also sell out and do it for solely for, and I could name people that have done this, but I won't. The financial gain of it. Yes, you can have your, your nights out and your investigations where you have guests and people come along and they pay for it and, you know, you can have dinner involved as well and all this bullshit and have lockdowns and stuff in places. But don't do it for the money. I don't think it's not worth them. It's not worth all that sort of materialistic BS. I can do it for the rush, do it for the investigation, do it for the thrill, the adrenaline. And, hell, it's, it's, it's fun scaring the shit out of other people, so... That's always that's always a bonus. Um, bringing bringing a certain when we've done that kind of a group thing, bringing a wide variety of people along as guests, like older older people, younger people. Um, we had once a mother and a daughter come. The mother picked up on stuff that the daughter didn't, or knew a lot more about the history of a place than the daughter did. And I think the I think the that kind of side of it of getting like spreading the word, you know, getting and supporting like the whole point of this chat, supporting the para unity thing, because, you know, there's so many people of us out there doing this thing across the world. And it's so great. Like I didn't think I'd have as many followers as I did in the paranormal gig that follow me or I follow them when I started doing this thing. But I just realized after the years that I've done it, there are so many of us, uh, special spirits that go getting into this that are so uh so in-depthly involved in it so i reckon just go out there and share it with other people yeah that's wonderful so shit yes yeah. <laughs> the goal is to shit yourself <laughs> totally. oh well in that case i've already done that at least twice today oh, <laughs> just kidding. i'm just kidding <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on, Sean. It was a pleasure getting to have an interview with you. I'm so glad we finally got a chat. <laughs> yes. Yeah, worth the wait. Worth the wait. Good fun. All right, good. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. And no hopefully we can do this again sometime yeah, we gotta soon. we got to do this again. Yes. I'm sure we'll be, you have plenty more stories to tell us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and new ones. 
to say them all. All you got to do is follow me. <laughs> yep, there you Mug. go. Well, thank you so much. The way we end our episodes is we got to go bye. So you got to join us in the bye, okay? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> We're good. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. <laughs> bye. You've been listening to The Polter Gals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast.